As we mentioned at the beginning of the service, we're continuing our, our search through this Peeled series, and today we get to touch on the topic of, of patience. And I guess before we get into that, it's good to sort of review what our goal for this series is, and we'll go ahead and throw that up on the screen. Uh, the series goal is simply to have a life, enjoy a life filled with more good fruit, and the way we do that isn't by forcing the fruit out of us. It's simply by letting the Holy Spirit develop that fruit for us and, and in us. Um, and so that said, today's uh, fruit is the fruit of patience. And I'll be honest, as I sat down to uh, sort of prepare for this message, I thought to myself, why am I preaching about patience? Uh, might be a little bit of hypocrisy going on. But uh, throughout the process, there, there were a lot of, you know, aha moments for me. As I, as I looked at what the Bible says about patience, there's a lot of things that I, I guess I knew before, but I never really you know, ingrained them or, or I thought about them too deeply. Um, to start off, there, there's a story I read about patience, and it, it sort of spoke to me. Maybe you'll, you'll find out why soon. The story is of a young man. He's a young father, and he's, he's walking through the grocery store pushing his little baby in a cart. And as you look at this young father, you can just see it in his eyes. He has not slept well for weeks. And, and you, know, you know, they get in that routine with, with the babies and they don't sleep well. And, you know, he's, you can just tell he's been pushed to the limit. And he's pushing his baby around. And, of course, the baby is screaming and crying. You know, he, he just won't be quiet. And so the father keeps saying over and over again, just be patient to me. Be patient to me. Be patient to me. And he just keeps saying this over and over again. And then... And finally, there's this other woman who notices what he's doing. She's, she's a little bit older, grandmother age. And he, she sees him doing this, and, and she, she finally comes over and she says, Sir, I just have to tell you how, how, how much I admire you. you know, you're, you're so patient with little Timmy here. You, you're, you're so calm with him. And you know, he looks at her with those tired, puffy eyes, and he says, I am Timmy. <laughs> And for, for a moment, that woman had to recalculate her idea of what patience was and, and what patient meant. And I think that's important for us to do also as we start off. We, 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 right away, we go ahead and calculate what is patience because it's more than just waiting. You know, we, we had that video up here and it showed a clock going really fast. Patience is more than just waiting. It's more what you do while you wait. And it has to do with what you're waiting for. And your attitude while you wait. And there's, you know, there's a lot of different things that come into play with, with patience. And to sort of put our foot down in one direction, let's go ahead and get our first key point up here. Patience is the ability to bear up under provocation, provocation, however you want to pronounce it. Probably get into discussion with my wife later on how to pronounce it correctly, but I'll go with provocation for this service. Um, ability to bear up under provocation. You, you probably know what that looks like when... You got two kids, you know, brother, sister, or whatever, and they find out what makes the other one angry. <laughs> do they stop? No, they make it, they do it worse. No, they provoke the other one. They keep pushing the buttons. They try to get the other one angry. Well, patience is the ability to bear up underneath that, to not react negatively, to be able to take all these, you know, different things in stride and not to lash out in anger. And to illustrate patience on a biblical scale, one of the things that really surprised me is time and time again, the Bible describes God as being patient. 
this is one of his core qualities, his core characteristics. He is patient. And I thought, well, if, if God is patient and the fruit of the Spirit is patience, then my patience should look a lot like his. Here's how the Bible describes his patience. Um, he, he was patient while Noah built the ark. And it took Noah about 100 years. You know, God was being provoked all that time by this sinful world. And he had the judgment ready and waiting. And yet he was patient. He waited. Uh, we saw in our, our lesson today how God describes himself as patient to Moses. He describes himself as slow to anger. And that, that's the, the Old Testament equivalent of the word patience. Uh, when, you, when you look at other places, God was patient with, with Abraham. You know, when, when Abraham didn't trust him the way he was supposed to, he was patient with all of Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, when they were bickering in the desert. And he was patient with them while they were faithless in their new land, unfaithful in their new land. Uh, you know, when else it says God is patient? In, in the New Testament, Jesus describes God as a king who is patient with his servants who don't pay him their debts on time. And finally, God is patient with this entire world because there's not another flood coming, but there is a day of judgment. And just to get, get our minds around what that means, you know how sick you feel when you hear the news, what's going on in the Middle East and in Europe, and you know what's going on in the world, and you hear about all these bad things. That's just a tiny speck of what God knows and what God feels on a daily basis. And yet, he's patient. And as I grapple with that idea of what patience is, the ability to bear up under provocation, it, it kind of makes me seem very small by comparison. <clears throat> but here's how God describes your patience. The, the fruit that he would like to see in you. you know, when he puts his fruit of patience inside of you, what does it look like? In our first verse in James chapter 5, verse 7, it helps us to see what this looks like. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You know, that farmer is dependent on the rain. Do you know in the old days, according to certain customs and traditions, do you know how, to, how they made it rain? Did their little rain dance? <laughs> I'm not going to do it, don't worry. <laughs> or as I like to call it in modern terms, it's washing your car. You know, what is it that makes the rain come? Obviously, we know there is nothing that makes the rain come. We simply have to watch the clouds and just wait, watch patiently. And when you, when you, when you look at that in farming terms, <clears throat> you know, farmers who depend on the rain, they do a lot of work. They prep the soil, they put in the seeds, they fertilize, they fence, you know, all sorts of stuff. But finally, they have to watch the clouds patiently, waiting for the rain to come, to, to make all of their, any of their work worthwhile. And as we look at the way God describes our patience, it, it's the exact same thing. Uh, you know, the thing about our life is that we realize things might not be in control, in our control. Sometimes we feel like everything's out of control. 
And at other times, we're fooled to think that we have some control. That's the basis for our need of patience. That's our second fill-in for today. I need patience when something is beyond my control. Because what good is it for me to do a dance for the rain? What, is, what good is it for me to, to do my little superstition? It will do no good. I am out of control. Therefore, I must be patient. Okay, now start connecting the dots. God is patient. God is in control. You might think to yourself, well, no, Doug, God is patient. He is in control of everything. He can make anything happen that he wants to. You know, if he's stuck in a supermarket behind a long line, he'll make a new checkout appear magically. If he's stuck in traffic, he'll make it all go away. He can do anything he wants because he is in control. No, duh, he has patience. But the thing about his patience is it's not just a standalone patience, but it's patience that's interwoven with love and when you do that, it changes what patience means. Uh, you look throughout human history, and we've put God's patience to the test quite a bit. The Bible is a, a living record of that. People putting God's love and God's patience to the test. And yet he has proven that he is both loving and patient. But what about you? I suppose as we get into this fruit of peace, or I'm sorry, fruit of patience, we need to peel apart and see what's inside. Therefore, we need to test your patience. That's usually not a good thing, but we'll try it. I'm going to ask you to do something. Of course, you don't have to do it. I can't force you, but I want you to, to do this. Think of a time recently that you maybe lost your patience or your patience was being tested right up to the limit. And if you don't want to follow along, that's fine. I'm patient with you. You know, what, what was it that, that made you lose your patience? Um, what was it something to do with another person? What, was it an object? Um, when, when we look at things that might cause us to lose our patience, it's, it's important that we sort of peel it apart and realize what's in the middle of it, what, what's causing it. And I want you to finally think of maybe that one time <clears throat> where if you were writing your biography, your auto, autobiography, this would go under the chapter of not my best moment. What happened? Were you not as patient as Timmy was with his child? And, and you erupted in anger, and as soon as the tears started coming from the kid, you realized you went too far? Or was it, you know, an electronic device that you couldn't get to work, so you threw it down to the ground, and you realized that doesn't make things any better? What is it that made you lose your patience? Um, you see, God helps us with a little test to test our patience, to see what it is that really gets at the heart and core of it. And the test is in our next passage in, in verse 8. He says, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. And you're saying, where's the test? Well, it's right here. And right now I am addressing Christians. Christians... A core part of your faith is that Jesus Christ will come again. Not as a baby to, to fulfill his job as Savior. He will come in glory to, to judge. He'll come with all authority and power and glory to finally end this world, not through a flood, but through final judgment. He's patient 
He's patiently waiting for this day because he wants people to be saved. When he comes back, what will he see you doing? You know, erupting in an argument because you're so impatient. Will he see you cutting someone off because uh, they're going too slow? Will he see you throwing something across the room? You know, when he sees your impatience on that day, what does it really tell you? Well, here's how it translates to God. If your life is ruled by impatience, that translates to him that you want nothing more than to have control. That's the core of impatience, having control. You know, if I don't have control, I'm going to erupt in a last-ditch effort to get what I want. But often this eruption in, in anger reveals that we really do have no control. Let's go to our third fill-in. When I lose patience, I am desperate to be in control. I'm, I'm trying anything that I possibly can to, to have control, to keep control, and I, I'll try anything. Rain dances, lucky charms, shouting, screaming, throwing. And I, I guess that sort of segues into our next thought, which is desperation can be awfully ugly. And this goes, again, under the, the chapter, uh, not my best moment, not your best moment, things we'd rather push aside and not, not remember ever again. As we look at the first century Christians, they were also going through a lot of pressure. They were being provoked quite a bit. They were being you know, killed, which is pretty pr provoking in my, in my estimation. They were being persecuted. They were being told they were foolish for abandoning the Jewish way of life. And these first century Christians, they were, you know, they were getting impatient. And it looked pretty ugly. Uh, our next uh, passage here. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. You know, they, they had grown so impatient that they were fighting with each other. They were yelling. They were arguing. They were grumbling. And when they're so desperate just to, to be in control, it can get pretty ugly pretty quick, like, like you probably know. Desperation can look pretty ugly when we, when we look at this. And again, we, I guess we have to ask the question, especially when we look at verse 9 here, you know, the judge is standing at the door. He sees what's going on. He hears what you're saying, what you're doing. And he is going to issue a verdict. And, you know, one way to, to weed the impatience out of my life is to curb me with that truth, that the God who is completely patient with me is watching me. He's staring at me. He's going to proclaim a verdict based on what he sees and what he hears. And that will scare the impatience out of me. But to plant something new, to, to really plant the kind of patience God has, we have to do something else. We have to go back to the day that God should have lost patience with me. And, and as I think of that day, it starts when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's on his knees praying fervently because he is so anxious about what's about to happen to him. He was the judge standing at my door and he heard everything. He saw everything. He saw all the impatience and he knew this was going to be a tough thing. He should have given up on me. He should have said, you know what, Matt? I'm going to die for you. I'm going to forgive you. But you're still going to be impatient. You're still going to be so unloving. I'm just not going to do it. 
But he didn't do that, obviously. And as you think about everything that happened after the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, that the stretched duration of his suffering and, and the prolonged crucifixion, at any time he had a million ways to stop it, yet he patiently hung there on the cross. Why? To demonstrate something that you never would have guessed. You know, our, our big problem is when we see things out of control, we, we sort of just grow impatient. You know, you look at the crucifixion, everything's out of control, right? Well, even when it seems like everything's out of control, it is then that God is most in control. That takes us to our fourth and final fill-in for today. To have patience is to have God in control. Uh, that doesn't mean that... Uh, you know, everyone has patience since God is control, but to have God in control means that you, through faith, are, are purposely setting him apart. And you're saying to yourself, even though I have no control of this situation, and even though I'm being provoked, I trust he's in control. And I trust that he's going to make something happen through this, and therefore I don't have to be impatient. I don't have to do my rain dance. I don't have to be in control. That's okay. I will bear up because he is in control. And what's, what's on the screen now and what's on your sermon notes, that, that's, that can be a hard concept to visualize. Granted, you know, to have patience is to have God in control. What, what would that look like for Timmy as he is pushing his child through the supermarket? Um, good question. You know what? God gives us two examples. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide. Uh, God gives us examples of what it looks like to have him in control. First example is this, brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. These are the prophets of the Old Testament. He doesn't say which prophet we should look at, so that tells me we should look at all of them, generally. Generally speaking, they all spoke the word of God. They all were not liked because they spoke the word of God. I'll pick one out in particular. There's this prophet named Jeremiah. He has a lengthy book in the Old Testament. He faithfully proclaimed God's word to Judah. He, he warned them, destruction is coming. If you keep up this idolatry and this unfaithfulness, God's patience will run out. But they didn't want to hear that. So, so do you know what they did to Jeremiah when he was in his 80s? You know, this old man. Sorry, old people. They threw him in a cistern. You know, a giant pit. 80-year-old man threw him in there. You can die. But you know what? I, uh, Jeremiah had, had no control, but God did. God sent some, some people to rescue him. Um, and you can see there's a reason for, for Jeremiah to have a lot of patience. Even, even as we look at the prophets, we can think to ourselves, yeah, but they're, they're the heroes, Right? I can never equate to someone like that, that awesome. I'm not a prophet. I'm not something that great. I still don't understand how, how um, God in control can help Timmy as he's pushing his child through the supermarket. Well, God gives us a second one. This is where the fruit of patience has a little twist in it. Um, last, last verse here. <clears throat> as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. 
Do you see the word patience up there? I don't because it isn't there. Job was anything but patient. Finally, here's a guy I can relate to. You know, Job is the one who lost his family. He lost his, his, his wealth, his livestock, his household. He lost everything in one day. And he had his high points. You know, at, at the very beginning, he said, yes, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. I'll praise the Lord. You know, he has his high points. But when you read through the entire book of Job, he is anything but patient. You know, you look in some places and he's saying, why can't I just die? Does that sound like a patient guy to you? Sounds like a guy who's out of control. Sounds like me. <laughs> you look in other places, he's cursing the day of his birth. Well, if I'd never been born. You know, Job is he's anything but the poster child of, of, of patience. But, but here's, here's where the fruit of patience has a little twist in it. The overriding truth is we persevere. We win. God uh, had Job persevere. He, he, he brought him back to where he was before. He, he lifted back his health. He gave him all of his stuff as before. He enabled Job to persevere. Why? Not because Job was patient. Not because Job earned it. But because of what the last line there says. Because God is patient with me, with you. God is patient. He is full of compassion, full of mercy. And that's finally where we start to connect with this whole fruit of patience. I am not perfect. I lose my patience. And yet, God is in control. His patience will not run out with me, just like his love will not. His mercy and his love are full, and they overflow for me. Finally, uh, when we as Christians understand our place in the world, we're not too much different than the farmer. You know, he, he does his work, he does his best, then he simply watches the clouds and, and waits patiently. Um, that's kind of what we do every day. We do our daily work, we do our daily things, and then we watch for the Lord to come back from those clouds where, where he ascended. We wait for our judge to come back and, and make things complete again. But until then, his patience is a good thing. His patience means we're a part of his kingdom now. His patience means I have a God who's in control. Therefore, I have that fruit of patience too. To have patience is to have God in control. Let's wrap it up with prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, as you reign all things from heaven above, you look down and, and you see your church here on earth um, thriving because your gospel is preached and yet at the same time is struggling with, with the sin that we still endure. Uh, inside of us, we have impatience, we, we have selfishness, and yet through your work, you have washed it all away. And in its place, you have planted the fruit of patience. Please uh, continue to pour out your patience on us so that it can overflow to all those in our lives. Uh, we ask all this in your name as we also join in the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory 
forever and ever. Amen.